Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Avoid rising energy prices and get a smarter home energy solution with B-Solar. Visit B.Solar and GLG Greenlife Group. Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to another big edition of The First Serve. We tick over to Monday, the 25th of July, as we cover the world of tennis. Uh, great to be back uh, for another week. one 736 736 Put that number on your phone. You can dial that any time uh, tonight to get through to us. Uh, Brett Phillips in the chair. You can send us a text, 0433981116. All thanks to uh, Tennis Direct, tennisdirect.com.au. And you'll get that nice little 10% discount store-wide. Using that promo code, we say it every week, but uh, you'll get all the goods delivered to your front door. First serve one zero. It's Australia's uh, favourite online tennis store. They're on board with us uh, right throughout the year. Fast delivery, magnificent prices. So uh, if you spend over $150, at uh, delivery will be free. A Big B Solar menu tonight, the latest from another week on tour. A bit in the mailbag uh, tonight. Our feature guest will be the rising Aussie, Jason Kubler, and what a 2022 he has had. And we'll announce uh, our winner of the Alina Rybuckina Yonex prize pack. A bit of UTR bit on the menu uh, tonight, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. dial that number and you can get through and talk some tennis. In fact, we might go to the calls uh, right off the top before we uh, really set the agenda uh, for uh, tonight. Matthew in Preston, his uh, first cab off the rank, he's dialed in early. Matty, good evening. Hi, how are you, Brett? Going well, thank you. What do you got for us? Yeah, just Novak Djokovic. What do you reckon about his uh, US Open chances of uh, just playing the tournament? Uh, no chance. As it no stands, chance. as it stands right now, uh, that is the, the rules of the USA. It's the rules of Canada in terms of not uh, uh, letting in uh, unvaccinated people, uh, let alone athletes or uh, just those going about their day to day life. So uh, we know we've got the uh, Canadian swing, the Masters One Thousand swing into Cincinnati, then into the US Open. So uh, right now, while those rules stand, uh, Matt he cannot play in the USA. Yeah, well, I just heard in the USA, just the people from USA uh, that already live there, apparently they can still play. Is that right? Yeah, the Americans, uh, well, absolutely. If you, I mean, if you're, uh, well, if you're, yes, so it's foreigners who uh, have, are not vaccinated, certainly are not allowed uh, into the country. I'd have to absolutely uh, double-check American players. I, I mean, pretty much the tennis uh, circuit now just about everyone, if not everyone, apart from Novak Djokovic, is uh, is vaccinated. There might just be a small handful. I don't know that exactly off the top of my head. I can do a little bit of digging on uh, that during the week. But uh, if you're an American and you're not vaccinated, well, you wouldn't be playing on the tour, uh, certainly travelling around the world. So certainly for the tennis players, they've had to get vaccinated because they're in different countries uh, just about every month, and it's just much easier for them to ply uh, their trade. But Novak is standing his ground. He's not going to change. We'll see if the USA and Canada change their tune. It's not going to happen probably this year, where that'll be in 2023. Uh, we just don't know. Matty, thank you for your call uh, right off the top. Speaking of calls, now I always encourage uh, Harry from Belmore uh, to uh, give us a call every week. He's a character. Uh, he certainly brings some tennis nostalgia to the program. Comes from another era. Teaches me 
a few things, but gee, he ruffled a few feathers uh, last week. He copped a bit of stick uh, because of his thoughts on the program uh, a week ago. This was Harry from Belmore. Look, I'm boiling uh, about them putting Leighton Hewitt into the Hall of Fame. After 2005, he, I, the only tournament that he won was Brisbane, and my mate up in Brisbane rang me and, and said, Federer's as sick as Rookwood. He said he can't breathe, but he's going to play. I rushed down the club, mm-hmm. and Federer on on the tab was a dollar twenty. Leighton six dollars. I had a lazy twenty on me, which I put on Leighton. Right. But that that's the only tournament he was he was getting beat first rounds in all the slams. The next uh, Hall of Fame uh, patient could be Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. They're putting anyone in there now. I probably should have corrected Harry last week when he said that Leighton only won one tournament, Brisbane, after 2005. Of course, 2014 he won Brisbane and Newport, 2010 he won Hull, 2009 Houston, 2007 he won Las Vegas, and 2061 Queens. He was a singles finalist on four occasions after uh, 2005. Now, a bit came into the mailbag uh, this week. In regard to Harry's uh, comments, um, I've just caught up via the podcast. I was going to outline uh, Hewitt's credentials, but there's no need. I will, however, do a little uh, fact check for Harry. Leighton's last title, as we just mentioned there, came 2014 in Newport. Had Harry took the time to listen to Leighton's speech, he would have known this and how the significance that that title holds to him. In relation to whether Leighton should be in the Hall of Fame, let's look at the two recent inductees, Conchita Martinez and Goran Ivanisevic, both with incredibly successful careers and both deserving the honour, but combine their careers into one and Leighton still has more credentials and a more successful career. After nearly two decades in the spotlight, uh, where the Hewitt family had uh, more than their fair share of scrutiny, if the only thing someone can come at you is the shape of your nose, this was Harry going on about uh, Leighton's mum last week, then I reckon you can hold your head high knowing you represented your family well. As for Harry's beak, well, he hides behind radio every Monday, but safe to say that Cheryl and Hewitt wouldn't mention it regardless. Keep up the great work. Scott, who's uh, listening in uh, to us every week up there on the Gold Coast, also had his little say on the Davis Cup, which we brought up last week. As for the Davis Cup, definitely Demonor, Kyrgios, if he plays... If not, it has to be Kokonakis. I think the manic nature of the new Davis Cup finals will suit uh, them both better than a Thompson or a Kubler. If Hewitt doesn't pick Ebden or Purcell, then he's mad. I think they are a real chance this year. Now, one of our great listeners who we had on the program a couple of years ago, who always listens to the podcast version of our show, is Sean over in beautiful New York City. Uh, Leighton also beat Federer 2010 to take the Hello final in Newport. Uh, Harry's wrong about Leighton only winning, uh, of course, one post-2005. Uh, most deserving Hall of Fame inductee. 80 weeks at number one it was. Bought me 100s, hundreds sorry, of hours of tennis viewing joy. Always love hearing the show. So, uh, And actually, we're not to say, Sean, I've heard Pam Shriver, amongst other American commentators, introduce Stozer as a future Hall of Famer or with a Hall of Fame-worthy career. Generally, it seems that two majors guarantees Hall of Fame, but Sam's doubles career balances out her potential status, apparently. I'm all for that. We're sport for choice nowadays, but during the last, uh, Sam was practically all we had. You can have your view on the Hall of Fame and continue that discussion, 0433 
98 11 16. So just a little bit of housekeeping from uh, last week. But uh, let's get into our tour wrap and uh, salute the week's winners. A magical week for Lorenzo Massetti after a memorable final here in Hamburg. He can't believe he's finally got across the line. He claims his very first ATP title, a very special day. And he's beaten a special opponent. Goodness me, he deserves all the applause, the praise after that final. Another significant day for Italian tennis. Well, Lorenzo, the reaction said it all. You've beaten Carlos. It's your biggest win. It's your first career title. Tell us what it means. I mean, I have no words because... Uh... It was uh, a roller coaster till the end. Uh, I had so many match points. Carlos was so good at the match points. Uh, so many chances. Uh, but uh, I think the, the key of the match was to keep the calm and uh, all the patience in, uh, in myself. Because uh, it was really not easy. Uh, Carlos was putting like so much effort on the match point and when he was down so it was not easy to find uh, the energy to to come back I cannot describe what I, what I'm feeling right now I think it's I'm still I'm still dreaming almost the most impressive thing was the way you dealt with you know losing the five match points and coming back what did you tell yourself at the end of that second set of course i was really upset i tried to not show my opponent the my my reaction uh, i tried to to forgive me uh, all the match points and all the uh, the points that i that, that i could do it so i think that was the the most impressional thing even for me because I, I didn't expect the, the win uh, after all this uh, roller coaster so I'm uh, super happy to be to be here and to be the, the champion. Just finally, you are the Hamburg champion Lorenzo. You're just 20 still. But what does this do for your motivation? What does it do for your confidence? For me, for my team, for my family, for my friends. And for the, the people who really loves me, I, I, I appreciate all the sacrifice that my family did it and all the hard work that I put it with my team. So I will, I will keep rolling for sure and I will, uh, I will continue like that, uh, hopefully. Grazie. Grazie. Grazie indeed. Molto bene. Very good performance over the weekend from uh, the star young Italian. Terrific atmosphere in Hamburg. I love these uh, uh, European clay court tournaments. Uh, the, the crowd is right on top of the players. They're animated. They uh, provide a, a great uh, backdrop. Uh, let's get into our tour wrap. All thanks to AATC, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches. They are providing quality coach education right across the globe. They've got courses delivered by industry leaders, tennis business owners, so you can learn locally, coach globally, internationally endorsed. You can inquire and enrol at aatc.tennis. So Lorenzo Musetti is someone that has certainly been on our radar now for a few years. I think everyone will probably remember the five-set match he played against Djokovic at the French Open a couple of years ago, where he was two sets to love and just a little bit of fragility at the end. He sort of um, got criticised for maybe waving the white flag, but he's two years on, he's a bit stronger, got that beautiful single-handed backhand. Uh, we know the Italians are producing a lot of good young uh, tennis players. Everyone's been talking about uh, certainly Carlos Elcaraz, Yannick Sinner, 
and a few more. And now Musetti jumps up. He wins a 500. To beat Alcaraz is no easy feat. It took him six championship points to get there. He should have probably won it in straight sets. But that's uh, uh, the capabilities of Carlos Alcaraz, who is just the ultimate fighter, who doesn't look at the scoreboard and refuses to believe he's about to uh, lose the match. So his first two-level final, his first victory, he got Alcaraz wrong-footed, off-balance at times. Uh, he played a very good tactical match, and he held his nerve when he could have dropped his bundle with all those match points. So defeats Lajovic in the first round, the young Finn Rusevori in the second, Davidovich Fakina in the quarterfinals, Sarondolo, who won last week, his maiden title in the semis, and then beats Alcaraz. So he's up to 31 in the world. So we've got Alcaraz at five in the world. So he steps up another notch into the top five, creating more history at just 19. Felix Auger-Aliassime at nine in the world. He's only 21. Sinner, 10 in the world. He's 20. Holgerun, 27 in the world. He's 19. And now Musetti up to 31 in the world at 20. So that batch, uh, the next generation, who are certainly thrilling us. Um, he played a great match. Carlos Elcaraz, the Harry Houdini, as he's referred to quite often, on the uh, ATP Tour. Uh, Glasspool and um, Halavara won the uh, doubles, the uh, Great Britain and Finnish duo. Let's get on to Kasparud. Kasparud goes back to back here in Gustad. Becomes the first player to defend his title here since Sergei Bruguera did so back in the 90s. But what is it maybe that makes you play even a little bit better here than elsewhere? Yeah, well, I guess it's uh, the, the Swiss crowd helps me a lot. So, yeah, I think, uh, well, Switzerland is a country with a lot of history now in tennis, with winning a lot of Grand Slams with, of course, Roger and Stan the last 18, 19 years. So they have been an inspiration to, I think, everyone around the world, and including myself, that they have, uh, you know, been able to come from a small country, sort of like Norway. We're not a very big country, but, uh, yeah, everything about Switzerland reminds me a little bit about Norway, except that uh, you pay less taxes here so <laughs> I think you have a good uh, you have a good tax rule so I think the Norwegian politicians I hope they are listening now that they can reduce a little bit from Norway but uh, yeah I mean everything here is uh, it's a very organized and nice country it's always the, the weeks I've been here the weather has always been very 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 good so I don't know if this is usual but uh, it's it's been a pleasure to play every single match in Switzerland and here in Gstaad. So, yeah, again, thanks to the Swiss crowd and uh, hope I can, of course, return uh, next year again. Uh, he's a beautiful clay quarter. Casper uh, Ruud, fourth consecutive title at AP, ATP Tour events in Switzerland. He's ninth the ATP title. He's eighth on the clay. He's uh, 35 and 13 this year. Uh, the 12-match winning streak of his opponent in the final, Matteo Berrettini, ending came from a set down at a really... Uh, dig deep, Casparud uh, to take that second set and then went on to uh, dominate. So Rude wins another title, the top seed in beautiful Gestart in Switzerland. The backdrop there was uh, spectacular. Dominic Team, worth mentioning Dominic Team. He's just getting a little bit better as he tries to get back to the top echelons of the sport. When he came back in March, he went 0-7. and seven. We know he missed the best part of 12 months uh, with that wrist injury. Uh, quarterfinal... The previous week, he made the semis of this event and went down to Berrettini. So we'll continue to watch Dominic Team as he tries to rise again with all these good young players emerging in the game. Uh, we need to get on to the WTA Tour. And when you're hot, you're hot. 
it is back-to-back titles for Bernarda Pera. And without dropping a set. What a run. And that's a lovely exchange between the players. Bernarda Pera playing the best tennis of her career. I want to thank my coach over there in the blue for putting up with me for a year already. Tough beginning of the of our work together, but um, finally we're lifting some trophies together. The tennis community has lost coach, a friend, mentor in April. His name was Christian Schneider. I was lucky enough to be coached by him, and uh, I want to dedicate this trophy to him and to his memory, and uh, I hope I can bring at least a little bit of his shine and passion and drive into the world. Bernarda Pera, uh, she's taken a while to win her first title last week at the age of 27. She goes back to back when she's playing terrific tennis. Sometimes you're just seeing it like a beach ball and everything uh, just works defeats. Uh, Annette Contivate, the number one seed uh, in the final in Hamburg on the clay. Uh, 12th straight win. Uh, she hasn't dropped a set, 24 sets in a row for the lefty from the United States uh, doing a very nice job from Hamburg to Palermo in Italy. Only needs one of them. Arena Kameliak Begu six to her knees into lights. She wins it six two six two. Begu, the better player. It's a fifth Hologic WTA Tour title. Her first since 2017. So I have great feelings here and for sure I'll come back. So I know it was a difficult time with the pandemic and uh, you, know, you guys uh, were the first of opening this, uh, this tournament in 2020. So uh, keep going and uh, uh, thanks again for uh, the hospitality and for everything. Yeah, Palermo, beautiful part of the world. They did uh, really step up during COVID to provide opportunities for the women a couple of years ago. She defeated uh, Lucia Bronzetti, the Italian uh, in the final, who from memory, uh, I think played Ash Barty's second round of the Australian Open this year. Might have lost uh, a couple of bagel sets there, but uh, Bronzetti has improved a lot since then. But uh, nice work by Bagu, the Romanian, who's been around for some time. Quick uh, snapshot of the challenges, a more in-depth uh, look at our website, thefirstserve.com.au today. But we talk about Italian tennis. I might be producing another one here. Francesco Passaro, 21-year-old has gone from 602 in the world to 144 this year. So Italy have got five men inside the top 100, uh, 13 players between 100 and 200. So his first ATP Challenger title. Just watch out for another Italian. Watch out for this young man as well, Yibing Wu from uh, China. He basically missed two years, like a lot of the Chinese players, uh, through the pandemic, uh, wasn't really travelling. He's a 22-year-old. He's gone from 1,122 to 174 in the rankings this year, third challenger title, and he is a star of the future. Max Purcell made a quarterfinalist, was in Indianapolis in the United States across uh, the week. Uh, Roman Safulan, you might remember back to the ATP Cup, always had a lot of talent, this guy, a lot of injuries, former junior world number one. He won a couple of vital matches supporting uh, Daniil Medvedev as the number two Russian, and uh, he won, of course, in New Sultan in Kazakhstan over the weekend, so... He jumps up just outside the top 100, made a semi-final at ATP Tour level uh, earlier in the year. And a younger Frenchman, Constant Lestine, the number two seed, 
Uh, he won in Posablanco in Spain. Uh, goes up 14 spots, almost inside the top 100 at 105. Six love, seven, six. And a young man who we saw against Australia in the Davis Cup earlier this year in March at Ken Rosal Arena, uh, playing for Hungary, Zombor Piros, the fifth seed. He won in three, the 22-year-old. He's up to a career high uh, 139. He's had a big uh, jump. He won in Finland, the challenger there on the weekend. Quick uh, updated ITF level for the Aussies. Uh, Caloundra, beautiful Caloundra. Never rains in Caloundra up in Queensland. Well, it did this week. I have copped a lot of rain, Queensland. That affected the ITF events, but we got the finals completed today. Dane Sweeney, who is a good story. Let's get Dane back on the show. We had him on our Aussies Only podcast. Set up a, a GoFundMe page a couple of years ago to just try and get some financial backing. Uh, it's tough out there at that lower level. 6364, he was a qualifier. Uh, defeated Thomas Fancutt in the final. And Talia Gibson, just 18 years of age, three finals this year from the juniors to the pros from WA, who are producing some very good young talent. Defeated Destiny I over the top seed in the final there. Kim Beryl was runner up in Portugal, but she's finding her mojo. Adam Walton, we've been singing his praises. Couldn't make it three titles in a row, but made a semi-final in Mexico. He's 17-2, and two, gone from no ranking to 687. So here he comes. And Alexandra Pasovic uh, won the doubles title in Portugal, the maiden title of her career. So a little bit of Aussie success across the weekend. All thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre, a mini Melbourne park in uh, Melbourne's north, which has tennis for everyone. Perfect also for coaches and players. If you're coming from interstate to train and compete close to Melbourne Airport, there's accommodation available. Check out humetennis.com.au. Jason Kubler, up next. Let the sun pay for your electricity with a 6.6 kilowatt solar system from B Solar. Visit B.Solar and GLG Greenlife Group. Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve. Brett Phillips with you on this uh, Monday night. Or Jason Kubler, the now 29-year-old Queenslander, once a, a junior world number one, a stop-start journey that has had its uh, fair share of injury setbacks. Uh, of course, once upon a time, he could only play on clay because of his dodgy knees. A, a tennis career spent predominantly on the ITF Tour, 253 matches with 13 titles, and the ATP Challenger Tour, 186 matches with seven titles. He first got inside the top 100 back in 2018, reaching a career-high 91. If he'd never had an injury ever, or much fewer, everyone in tennis I know, and including myself, are absolutely convinced he would be a permanent top 100 player, a terrific talent. Well, fast forward to 2022, it's first galore. Qualifying for the French and Wimbledon main draws, including a fourth-round Wimbledon run. His best run at ATP Tour level, making a semi-final in Newport just recently. His first top 10 win, he left Australia in early April. The last four months, he's gone 28-8 win-loss from 206 to a high of 96. And the weekly rankings update today sits at 100 exactly. I caught up with Jason in Atlanta on Friday to reflect, and our conversation started talking about the good form he had when he left Australia four months ago. I was able to play a couple of those futures uh, in Canberra before I left. So I 
before that, I was really struggling to win matches, to be honest. And then sort of that gave me a bit of confidence, headed over to America, you know, started doing a bit of work with Stephen Haas, uh, and then just sort of all went from there. Was there a, a moment where you just felt this is sort of clicking to another level here? I mean, to qualify for the French for the first time and then to go through, you know, Roehampton Qualies, the great ride at Wimbledon. There's been a few firsts this year, but was there a moment when it sort of clicked that, okay, I've been inside the top 100 before and I've had to deal with a fair bit of adversity with injury across the journey but this year it seems like it's just gone to another level yeah like I wouldn't say anything's clicked exactly like it's more to what you said like there's been a lot of firsts you know like I said before I've, I was barely winning any matches on the on the challenger tour so you know when it all started you know I made that first semi of a challenger and then even for me that result I was like wow okay I haven't done this for a while you know hopefully you know I can keep going but you know we'll see what happens and then sort of you know the next week then French comes around and then I qualify and win around there so it's also like another first so then I made the decision to go back to America and play on the hard courts and you know I'd never won a challenger 100 before so that again another first and then you know that leads into to Wimbledon I've obviously never done that before and then even with Newport it's like everything I'm doing now is sort of unknown territory and sort of you know I'm still trying to figure it out what, when, I'm, when I'm there but yeah I think you're exactly right everything it's just everything's sort of happening for the first time I've got to say your age has crept up on me I mean, the first time I ever went to Wimbledon you were junior world number one you can see the talent back then and everyone knows your journey that you've gone on and it's been stop start when you've been able to play you've played at a great level and shown that you're very much a, a top 100 player and then you've had some setbacks and you've come back and and you know hopefully now the body's going to be quite durable for you but do you feel like 29 gee, I've been around a while now you know, I've got a, a fair bit of experience just in life on the tour and what I'm up against and where my level sort of stacks up sort of yes and no like yeah it, it surprises me when I say how old I am I still feel like I'm 25 26 that's sort of where my mind is at the moment but also in saying that you know like you know, obviously there's been worse situations but yeah I have had injuries in my late teenager early 20 year old sort of stages so I feel like actually my time on the road and sort of the the tournaments that I've played it actually hasn't been that much just a few weeks ago I was going through sort of the each year how many matches I played you know some years I'm playing maybe 10 to 15 matches in the whole year so it's kind of like you know this is probably my only my third or fourth year and I'm 29 now that uh, I've actually been able to play like a, a considerable amount of matches. Like all the other years is just kind of hampered by uh, an injury of some sort. So 29, definitely it's kind of, you know, yeah, I'm like, oh, 29, but I don't think I've actually put that much time, you know, on the road, played that many tournaments year in, year out. So hopefully from now I can stay injury free and just, you know, get those years, get those seasons where, you know, I'm playing a lot of matches. Well, just the way men's tennis has shifted in the last, what, 20 years. A lot of guys are playing deep into their 30s. Some are going beyond 40 now because they love the game they still feel like they can have an impact and the prize money I, I imagine can be quite a lure to stay in the game and try and maximise your time until you're no longer physically capable of actually going out there so in a sense 29 is quite young considering many guys are playing <laughs> sort of extended careers now yeah well like, I would I would love if my career you know could get to 34, 35, 36 like I, I think that would be a very I'll class that as a success just with everything I've sort of gone through but yeah you're right with the sort of prize money up for grabs now compared to what it was 10, 15 years ago. It's definitely one of those things where if you can extend your career as long as you can, especially play those bigger tournaments, it gives so much incentive to try and stay around. Even 
you can see on the double side now, people mm. are playing till they're 40 almost just because the prize money in doubles has increased so much. So yeah, definitely if I can extend my career and, and get it to the mid to late 30s, that would be unbelievable. What's been your most cherished victory in the last few months? Jack Sock in five, former world number eight. That was one hell of a match. And on one of my favourite courts there, court 18 at Wimbledon, Dan Evans, good grass quarter, been inside the top 30, British crowd behind him. You beat Felix uh, last week where for the second time, I think in the space of a month, you've had to go off because of bad light. We had the match at Wimbledon yeah. as well. You, you come back and win that deciding tie break to beat your first top 10 player. Is there one of those victories and maybe it's another one that stands out amongst uh, all the wins you've had in the last few months? Like Obviously, the win against Felix sticks out just because of how, how great of a player Felix is. At someone at his level, anytime you can beat someone who's a top 10 player, it's always going to be a special victory. But I would probably say probably the, the grass court swing for me is the, the real cherished sort of memory. You know, like it's not like I went into the grass court, you know, the couple of tournaments I played that I was like, okay, you know, let's let's look to go deep. I didn't even have a lead in tournament to the qualifying of Wimbledon. So sort of my preparation for that was obviously I was playing a lot of matches, but the preparation on grass probably wasn't where it needed to be. And just sort of how I handled myself throughout Wimbledon. Definitely times where, like you said, I played sock in, in five sets and even in the qualifying, you know, there were situations where I could have easily have lost. So I think the way I sort of carried myself on court, made sure I did all the right things, you know, for those almost three weeks was pretty cool. And then also then to back up in Newport where uh, I played four guys who are always basically in the top 100 especially, you know, Felix and, and Bublik as well. So it was kind of like a special grass court swing that I probably won't forget just because of how sort of unexpected it was. Roehampton, I mean, is so far removed from Wimbledon. There's many people that never get to get to SW19 because they haven't been able to get out of qualies at Roehampton. So what's that like? I mean, I've heard other players talk about once you get that accreditation around your neck that you then step into the hello grounds of the All England Club, people just go, wow, I'm here at the home of tennis in a sense, the spiritual home of of tennis, the most prestigious of the Grand Slams. Just apart from the on-court tennis, just being in that Wimbledon precinct for the fortnight, the crowds were back in a big way, heaving day in, day out. Just take us through that experience. You know, rolling into Roehampton, you definitely know it's a part of the process. You know, you need to get through Roehampton to get to to Wimbledon. Um, I remember getting driven by one of the drivers and they said, well, Wimbledon's done such a great job to uh, make it feel like two separate tournaments. And I went, oh, you know, I don't know if that's such a good thing. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely, you know, get to, you know, you're going to grind through Roehampton and, you know, do as best you can to get through that and then definitely when you pick up Eurocred at Wimbledon especially the the entrance you take you walk in and then you, you, it's all sort of you know, you go to the right, then you see all the courts and you, you walk out, you see the centre court it's definitely a, a special feeling considering just, you know, you know, a few days ago you were grinding at, at Roehampton so yeah, like that's that's one of the coolest things I guess about qualifying is that you're obviously in Roehampton and then you can walk through and then okay, bam, you're at, you're at Wimbledon now and now it really starts to get serious so uh yeah no definitely cool picking up the main draw accreditation hopefully from now on you know they can just be straight into the main draw accreditation but yeah no it was definitely special absolutely and just on that i mean obviously you know you've had jared with you at wimbledon you've had a strong connection to kdv there on the gold coast i'd like you to talk about that and now the addition of Stephen huss to your team you look like you certainly from this point on and i imagine the injection of prize money certainly helps just set the framework from here on how do i map out the next three or four years of my tennis career the people i put around me the scheduling that i'm going to take the maintenance of my body to really maximize this opportunity so that you don't have to go through qualities again that we can see you in double digits in the rankings 
which is where I think all of us that follow tennis believe you uh, belong. So just take us through the, the bigger picture now that you've really laid some great foundations the last few months. Yeah, I think definitely that that I've been able to make a lot of points in a, in a small amount of time is probably going to help me, you know, definitely for the next nine months. Just with the amount of points in the sort of small time frame, I think it can, it definitely, you know, I'm not going to say an advantage, but it, def- it definitely helps to... Um, you know, have a more of a consistent schedule. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I can do a few more good results, and then sort of, then I can really go. Okay, look, I'm going to be in Australian Open, Maine. I'm going to be in French Open, Maine. Hopefully, Wimbledon, Maine, and then you can sort of really schedule around those tournaments, or you know, the bigger tournaments that you want to do well in. So that's sort of been the the good thing is uh, after Newport, I was able to get into U.S. Open, Maine draw. So now, you know, instead of uh, like I have been the other years of the constant grind of trying to get points, trying to do well in challenges, it's sort of like working back from the tournaments you want to do well in, or the tournaments you want to peak for. So yeah, that definitely helps with all the scheduling, and and now that you know I've got you know Hussey on the team, and then I've all, you know I've had I've been working with Bunty now for maybe a little bit under a year and a half. Both unbelievable guys, both great guys, and you know I definitely do feel like I'm I'm building a, a small team around. It's definitely not as big as some others, but definitely a small team where you know if I have any problems or issues or anything that I'm thinking about, I can communicate it with them, and um, I think they both have a lot of experience you know dealing with those sort of things. Obviously Hussey, former Wimbledon doubles champion, so has a lot of experience, and and Bunty's worked under the you know tennis australia flag for you know i don't know how many years you know 10 15 years and now he's with the you know the head coach at kdv so two guys that i i have a lot of trust in and it feels like where we're heading in the right direction fight back against rising energy prices with a 6.6 kilowatt solar system from b solar visit b.solar and glg green life group leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com the first serve your home of tennis. Well, let's bring you the continuation of my chat with Aussie Jason Kubler. All thanks to Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, ASTE Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check out aste.com.au. Jason Kubler in Atlanta. So much time for the Aussies, Jason, on the road. I'm not as fortunate as the Europeans, the Americans, just to be able to duck home so you're on the road for an extended period. Does it suit you as a person or are you someone that craves the opportunity to get back home? Here you are on the road. We see your deeds on uh, the tennis court. What's in and around your life on the road and what does life look like off court? <laughs> where you, you do have plenty of time in between you know, matches, preparation and everything that goes with being a professional tennis player. I think I'm a little bit lucky in a sense of uh, some of my best friends are the guys I play tennis with. Yep. I was just texting with uh, with Demon literally a few hours ago, and he said he can't wait to see all the Australians in Atlanta. I and mean, that's exactly the same with me. You know, like obviously it's a big tournament for me. I'd like to, you know, hopefully do well. But just being able to see, I think we've got maybe eight, nine, ten Australians playing that tournament. So it's kind of like that's kind of one of the exciting things that makes me want to play Atlanta is that you know I can see all these guys that I grew up with and spent a lot of time around. Uh, and we're all playing the same tournament. So that's kind of the, the cool thing for me with playing tennis. Obviously, I'd, I'd love to get home a little bit more, get back to, you know, KDV, get back to the Gold Coast. But, you know, it's just one of those things where you sort of got to commit to a schedule. And then, like I said, the good thing is that most of the tournaments I've been playing anyways, uh, there's been a few Australians there anyway. So it's kind of like, even though I'm away, I'm still with good friends. So it doesn't make it as tough. Have you always thought that you've had the level or have you now got increased confidence that, yes, my level actually really stacks up? Because to me, when I watch you play and watched all your matches last week, there's no doubt you're playing top 50 tennis. And we and we talk about in tennis, the margins are, are really small, aren't they? I mean, you, I mean you, you, you've played a lot on the Challenger Tour. You know the guys between 200, 300, beyond 300, they can all play the game pretty well. Yeah. 
it's those who can elevate themselves who find that consistency, I suppose, maybe do the 1% is a little better, all the stuff that we can't see behind the scenes. But your level has always been there going back to when you're a junior, early 20s, that when you played, you had success. So have you always had the faith that you've got it as a player or has that, has that confidence increased? Yeah, well, I think nowadays it's, it's almost become more than how you sort of hit the ball. You know, like you said, the margins are so small. So, you know, you can have a player that's that's 250 and yeah. hits the ball unbelievable, but maybe they don't apply themselves, you know, the way they should or they do certain things, maybe, uh, you know, mentally on court or tactically or they don't have the right team around them. Like that can be the difference between them being a top 100 player. So I think I was, I was maybe similar in, in that way where, yeah, I thought I could, you know, Hit a hit a pretty decent forehand, you know. I could I could always do things relatively all right. It was just more so, uh, you know, the one percenters, like you said. You know, I've been doing a lot of work on uh, sort of my mental approach to sort of day to day life, to to playing matches, to my practice sessions, and then um, you know, I've been fortunate that the results have um, come my way. But I think that's those are the the small things that I've been changing. I think if I maybe didn't apply that. You know, a few months ago, I think I still could have been floating around, you know, at that 150 to, to 2, 250 sort of range and sort of do all right every now and again, but not have that consistent result. And then, you know, obviously when you, you're continually chasing points, that's probably where my, my injuries have come in just because I've been playing so much tennis, where now, uh, like I said, I'm fortunate the results have come and now I can sort of schedule ahead and, and sort of work back from uh, the tournaments, you know, I want to I wanna peak for. But yeah, I would say, honestly, just those... Just those little one percent of things. Little, I wouldn't maybe wouldn't say one percent because I think the mental approach is probably a bit more than that. But yeah, that's really the the biggest thing is just sort of the the little extra stuff that I've been doing after matches, after practice, the sort of mental approach I bring to my matches, to my practice session. Matt, great to hear, and I mean that's what a lot of players are doing, aren't they? These days, you hear a lot, a lot of players bringing in sports psychs or. Uh, you know, just really, yeah, working on above the shoulders because everyone's got the ability to play, but uh, getting yourself into that right frame of mind and it's a pretty unforgiving sport, isn't it? I mean, got to move on pretty quickly. Tennis is the one sport where there's no time to really, I suppose, indulge and reflect. Uh, the next tournament's always just around the corner. That's definitely one of the uh, the more difficult things, especially sort of now, you know, that I'm playing some of the, the bigger tournaments, especially bigger tournaments that I, that I have played before, where um, sort of the uh, emotional toll it takes on you just because, you know, you're in pretty stressful situations. You're obviously giving 100% in the match. You, know, you can almost feel after, you know, a couple of big tournaments, oh, I'm actually physically okay, but just the more my mental application maybe isn't where it needs to be. So that's, that's probably one of the, you know, one of the things I'm probably going to be facing with these bigger tournaments. You know, I've played a lot of them Challenger Tour. So, you know, I've been sort of used to that. But now that I'm playing, you know, tournaments where you play top 20, top 30 guys, you play guys that you've seen on TV for many years, you, you're starting to pay for a lot more prize money. It's definitely going to become, um, you know, a lot more emotional. You're definitely going to have a lot more thoughts in your head about a lot of different things. But yeah, that's probably just something, you know, I'm going to have to work on. I'm going to obviously experience it. You know, like we, like I said before, lucky I've got that team now that's had, you know, a lot of experience. And then, you know, I'll speak with them and, you know, hey guys, this is how I'm feeling. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully as a team, we can all move in the right direction. Yeah, I think we're looking forward to seeing, no doubt, the next evolution. You just mentioned the Challenger Tour. When you won Little Rock a few weeks ago, I was listening to your victory speech and we've been talking about this a fair bit at the first serve about the challenges in Australia so traditionally we have about half a dozen ATP challenges in Australia every year I think there's yep. certainly some work being done behind the scenes to maybe increase the, the challenges around Australia Oceania you may comment that day that 
how good's this? You know, this tournament had good crowds, just a really good vibe and atmosphere, and it was actually a really decent ticket item to come along and see the next tier down of professional tennis. Do you think more could be done here in Australia to make our ATP challenges a bigger ticket item? Is that something we've been talking about here, that they, t- they tend to be a fair bit off-Broadway and not really marketed, if you like? It's all about sort of the Australian Open. Yeah, I definitely think it's a it's a difficult thing. You know, there's obviously such a buzz, you know, I'm going to say late December, January, and then even maybe the, the February, you know, just the hangover from the Australian Open. You know, it's almost so popular there that that's sort of, I guess, what everyone thinks about and they don't see maybe the lower level as much. You know, I definitely think that if we maybe promoted it a bit more it could help but in saying that like i've played uh you know tournaments down in tasmania i've played tournaments south australia melbourne sydney you know you definitely do get the local support there you know i've played played matches where there have been great crowds but yeah look i think if you were probably after a more consistent you know amount of people to come and watch i think yeah definitely the the marketing and maybe more promoting of the lower levels would be needed but you know i probably can't say 100 percent answer because i probably don't know how to fix it like all i can probably say is like i played this in front of some great crowds yeah hopefully Hopefully we can continue you know, bringing more people into tennis. On that bigger picture, are you a guy who is just sort of focused on your career and what you're doing, or do you have a, an interest in the sport and where it's going? I mean, tennis is such an interesting sport, the way it's governed, you know, with a player council and then working in with a, a board tournaments and players working in conjunction to put together a, a calendar every year. And we know, you know John Millman is an example and sits on the, the player council. Does that sort of stuff, the bigger picture of the sport, interest you? Do you have any views on where it sort of sits or you're just sort of in the moment focused on yeah. controlling your own career? Maybe a bit of, of all of it, to be honest. Like right now, you know, I'm in a position now where, you know, hopefully I can start making some money from, from tennis, start having some good results and sort of prolong my tennis career. But then, yeah, definitely, like I definitely think about the younger players coming through and sort of the pathway that they have you know i probably don't know all the information to to be able to have an opinion that's you know probably the right or the wrong but yeah like i definitely you know i I keep in constant communication with you know some of the younger players just to check in how they are you know i'm quite close to to one of the younger boys tristan schoolcake same with with rinky as well so i'm hopeful that the sort of the path they're on with the the national academy sort of that pathway can uh, sort of lead them to to good things but i'm probably not in this in the headspace right now where i'm thinking about you know atp councils like like john uh, John is so maybe in the future but yeah right now sort of focusing on you know trying to <laughs> do the best for me you know yeah, so you should be hey great to chat we love watching you play it's as simple as that you bring a lot of enjoyment I think to tennis fans back here for those who follow the first serve you get plenty of traction when uh, you're up playing every week and we only wish you good health and hopefully the best is still yet to come that would be nice thanks for having me as well thank you install a 6.6 kilowatt solar system plus battery from just $25 a week at B Solar visit B.Solar and GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve. Great to catch up with Jason Kubler tonight. So he was going to play singles in Atlanta. Post that interview I did on Friday, he's decided just to play doubles. A little bit of body maintenance, looking to play Los Cabos the week after. It's all about scheduling now for Jason, but he will play doubles with uh, John Pierce In the mailbag this week, first ever, I've been following uh, Chris O'Connell's progress since Atlanta last year. When is he going to play next? Is he still recovering from his hip issue? Uh, thanks for providing so much information on how all the Aussies are going. Much appreciated. Thank you, Mark. He did have the intentions, Mark, to play Atlanta. Didn't quite get to the start line, so he's on the alternate list for Washington. He's also on the qualities list 
entry list for Los Cabos, the 250. So we'll follow his progress throughout the week. I got this from the CEO of the National Tennis Teachers College, Daniel Young over in the US. Why don't they consider one serve for professional players? Taller players have a distinct advantage. I won a set using one set per point. Now, we haven't got time to really dissect that, but if you want a view on that, the first serve SEN at gmail.com, send me an email during the week. We might explore that a little bit further uh, next week. Our prize winner of the Alina Rybuckina Yonex giveaway is Louise Colwell from Narena. I think I might have said that correctly. Dan Lee and Gathaway in country Victoria. Louise, you are the lucky winner. We will get in touch. Big week in Atlanta. Demonor, Duckworth, Kokonakis, Kyrgios, Thompson, Millman and Popperin are going to lead the Aussie charge. All thanks to Yarra Tennis Coaching at Eaglemont Tennis Club just off the Eastern Freeway. Junior and adult programs available. Shane Scrutton with over 30 years coaching. If you're a beginner, if you're a serious player, Shane will look after you. YarraTennis.com.au. Commonwealth Games next week. We're going to come forward an hour to 7 o'clock. We'll do it all again next Monday night. Hit them beautifully this week. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91